You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Very excited, finally, at long last, the TXT episode I've probably been teasing for literally months now is here. I have so many theories and thoughts to break down about the TXT universe, all the symbolism and messages layered within their music video world, and where I think the story goes from here. Lots to talk about, so let's just dive right into it. Quick primer for those who are unfamiliar with TXT and why they are such a big deal. So TXT is a five-member boy group from Big Hit Entertainment, so that is BTS's company, which is why they're nicknamed BTS's little brother group in a way, and they do have a lot of story parallels that I will I will get into later, but they also have a very unique sound all of their own. They debuted March 4th of 2019, so they're a relatively new group still, but they really have already had so many accomplishments from being the first Korean artist to cover Teen Vogue, to working with Music Bank, Subin was an MC starting this year, to having a sold-out USA Showcase tour at the beginning of their career, to winning the new Hallyu Artist Award. I could go on and on, but the point is they are so popular and were right from the start. And they just recently actually broke their own album pre-order record for this new EP we're going to be talking about today, Minisoed. One, Blue Hour. Blue Hour um, broke their pre-order record, surpassing 400,000 pre-orders, and I believe their last EP surpassed maybe 300,000, so it was a big jump. And this new album topped the iTunes charts in 30 different countries at least, as of recording time. So TXT's whole concept and theme is surrounded by literal magic, and there's a lot of star symbolism involved, and there was right from the beginning. Their choreography sometimes forms the shape of a star. There are star designs as symbols hidden within videos and things like that. Always basically reminding viewers that they are five and they all need each other in this friendship, which is why, like, in one video there are star images which have, like, pentagons around them to you know, Pentagon's five sides, five members to represent that. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the point is that it's all about being there together tomorrow and forever with each other. TXT stands for Tomorrow by Together or Tomorrow Times Together, however you want to say it, but their whole message is all about friendship and being together forever, essentially. And that goes along with the fandom name, which is the MOAs, M-O-A, a.k.a. Moments of Alwaysness. This group includes Bumgyu, Hyunin Kai, Yeonjun, Subin, and Taehyun. And each of them has a very distinct character role in the story, where they each have a special word associated with their character and a certain animal that they embody, as well as a certain flower. They all have very specific images. It's kind of like the United States of TXT here. The main code words that they have are promise, hope, clue, secret, and tomorrow, which each play a role in the story that you will you will notice very quickly on. Promise, hope, Clue, Secret, and Tomorrow. Yes, there are a lot of bad jokes I could make right now about how one of them chose the code word hope just for me, but whatever. Why I particularly adore them, not just for that shout out, but also because there are five main reasons why I love this five-member band. So first of all, TXT does not have group positions. A lot of K-pop groups have assigned roles. We've talked about this on the show before, and sometimes that really annoys me because... 
I just worry what that does mentally to artists to feel like they are boxed in as the dancer of the group or the visual of the group. So much pressure when that is your expected role. As if being famous wasn't pressure enough. So I really enjoy what some groups are doing, and not just from TXT, but from Rocket Punch and some other groups from other companies as well, is they're just kind of going doing away with those thoughts of that concept of a K-pop group needing specific roles. And they just let the members rotate their roles, feel like they can switch up their parts of you're the main dancer for this comeback, or you're the main leader for this comeback. I feel like that's a more freeing experience for artists, so that's one of the reasons I support this group so much. Another reason is because I naturally get a bit defensive over them because from the start they were getting these accusations about maybe having an unfair leg up in the industry because they are known as the BTS brother group, so they already had that clout before they even debuted, so naturally people thought maybe their accomplishments would be kind kind of not necessarily authentically earned because of that free publicity they had gotten by being associated with BTS. So I naturally just feel defensive of them, though, because I would argue that it's actually some, in some ways the opposite, because they started out with extra pressure added onto them. It wasn't like people just had an open mind and could be like, let's see how they do and what we think of TXT. It was always in this shadow of the level of expectations that BTS set really raised the bar, and that really... I mean, I would have felt so pressured being in their shoes to live up to something. So the fact that they had to live up to some sort of precedent that their other big hit entertainment major group had, I feel like that just added to their need to feel like they had to prove themselves. So anyway, all of this to say that they did work really hard to earn their accomplishments in their career already, and so they've already had to face certain claims of maybe industry bias towards them, but remember, BTS came from such humble beginnings, and their company has always been looked at as an underdog company. So from the beginning, they had to work extra hard to prove themselves, which they have chosen to do and really prove they can do. So anyway, third thing is that they overall, TXT embodies the relatable and really emotional and, yeah, universally relatable messages that BTS also does in their work where their ultimate ethos has to do with leaning on each other, not feeling like you have to carry burdens by yourself, the concept of youth and time getting away from you, reflecting on your past and how much you want to preserve of your past versus abandon and pursue a better future. We'll get into all that later, but overall... Being a BTS fan for so long before TXT debuted, I was pretty much primed to like this group. Not because of media framing, but just because of the actual storyline and knowing the whole big hit entertainment company ethos of letting their artists really be super vulnerable in their storytelling. Fourth thing, their storytelling always, like BTS in a way, is very fresh and unpredictable, yet it still manages to have these through lines. So it has these Easter eggs, it has these recurring symbols and references, it has this continuous storyline in a way, but each video is also still unexpected. So you know in a way what they're going to address in the video, but you never know how they're going to address it. And so that mix of familiarity and surprises is really appealing to viewers. Just objectively, I think that's what makes them so popular, and also just personally, I love that about their work. Lastly, the main thing that I really love about TXT is that they they make literal magic. 
I, I know that sounds weird, but their whole concept is magic that we will get into in a minute. They really do. Something about their music is so bright and fun and youthful, and just something about it really does feel like magic. Like someone really did find a way to bottle up youthful energy and turn it into a sound. Like if youth, if childhood had a song to it or like a, a specific feeling that could be invoked by a song, it would be a TXT song. They've just done a, a, such an impressive job of really encapsulating all sorts of mixed feelings you get growing up into music. And that translation into music of how we feel is really remarkable and what Big Hit Entertainment has always done so well. So TXT truly does shine on their own, and as Big Hit Entertainment more collectively also does, so keep in mind that as I compare them to BTS during this episode, I'm drawing parallels not to try to compare and show that one's better than the other, because they are such separate storylines, but they also have connected storylines, and so I'm just saying that I'm not saying one group is better than the other or anything, I'm just pointing out all the ways that I think their universes do have some some intentional overlaps. So just to be clear, I'm not trying to diss them by comparing them to BTS. I love both music video universes and they do have some intentional overlap. As I walk through the music video timeline here, it may sound like I'm bringing up and focusing on details that are irrelevant, but I promise it's all related to my theory. So just pay attention to the details that seem irrelevant because they're not as I go through what these videos were all about. We were introduced to the TXT members one by one in this series of videos called the What Do You Do series, which was kind of like an intro to each member and what their interests are really. Just seeing them in different environments, like Yeonjun was just hanging out in this computer lab playing computer games, he was playing with a claw machine at one point, Subin was biking at one point and running, sitting on a ledge, he was just all over the place, Kai was in this convenience store setting for a while, Taehyun was asleep on a bus ride, Bumgyu was walking around wearing this backpack and then he was hanging out in the subway station, sliding down banisters and running through the empty subway station and just really goofing off, riding a bike with no hands. Just all these youthful moments captured by each member, which seem irrelevant, but what you should keep in mind for my later theories are just a few of those details. Yeonjun being in the computer lab playing computer games, as well as the teddy bear he wins in a claw machine. That stuffed toy is what you need to remember. Subin's character is first introduced by pulling back a curtain. Kai being in the convenience store. Taehyun on the bus using the phone filters, goofing off with those. And Bumgyu riding around, riding his bike at night with no hands. So even if you don't remember which character had which things associated with it, I hope you just keep in mind those details. Then we had all of the members come together for the first time with this last intro video, where they really are just goofing off and dancing and having a blast together. They climb on the roof of a building, they're, they're swinging from the top of a soccer goal, they're just kind of running around and goofing off and being kids. And there's, I, I don't know, something about this video, only like long-term boy band stands may get this, but I'm getting like one, one Direction, Row Your Boat Dance vibes from this video, just something about it. And that's the best compliment, I'm, I promise. But anyway, so they also have the key detail to remember from that intro video, though, is that they're goofing off and giving each other piggyback rides. So keep that in mind for later. Dream Chapter 1 is where the trilogy starts with Star. Dream Chapter 1, Star, with the title song, Crown. And that song we've talked a bit about on the show before. It's very cute. It's really a song about 
growing up in puberty, really, and how it, you feel like you're so foreign to yourself when you look in the mirror, and what is that? Are these horns growing out of my head? And so the horns are kind of a metaphor where they say, no, don't view it as horns. View it as your crown. You're growing a crown, and it's a really cute way to look at it. So that is what that video is really all about. They mix up a lot in that video the animated elements versus the not animated. Like, they have animated tails and cartoony horns and things like that added to them, like drawn on them, really. So it's like an intentionally photoshopped-looking aesthetic going on in the crown video. It's got like the homemade look in a way. And it starts out with this Morse code actually that says crown. So the beginning of the song and the video, not just the music in the video, but if you just listen to the actual song, it has that Morse code that says crown in it. And fun fact, the intro videos for each character also had Morse code that spelled out dreaming. So the key word dreaming there to keep in mind. There were some b-sides that eventually got their own music videos as well from this Dream Chapter 1. The Blue Orangeade video was one that mixed computer graphics with these comic book style visuals. A lot of desktop windows open as part of the video theme were, it was kind of like you're scrolling around on a desktop that was kind of the aesthetic of the whole video. And another main detail from that to keep in mind is that there is a moment where a whale is there. A, a whale. So just just note that. A whale graphic in that video. Then there was Cat and Dog, and that video is features this star-shaped cloud in the sky and other symbolism that you can pretty much figure out by now, knowing who TXT is and what they're all about. It is There are a few moments in that video that feel like they were intentionally a bit reminiscent of BTS works, like there's a moment where abruptly the scene turns Technicolor, which reminded me of BTS's Blood, Sweat, and Tears video. There's also a scene at the beach, which made me think of BTS's Spring Day, and Euphoria, and actually quite a few BTS videos have that beach setting as very symbolic. My favorite lyric from this whole era of Dream Chapter 1 is Cross the Rainbow Bridge, because it just sounds really cute, and it can really, I mean, the rainbow aspect, the bridge aspect, like, you could unpack even that detail if you want. This story is so layered, you can really overanalyze it if you want, which I'm, of course, doing. The chapter one of this trilogy concludes with Nap of a Star, which is kind of a short film of sorts that has a really unique aesthetic that's kind of pop-up book-like. It reminds me of uh, Hugo Cabaret, actually, which will make more sense later on, the reference there, but it has that very old-school movie aesthetic, like old-school movie, I mean like the very first films ever made aesthetic, that type of look to it. And the members are just kind of goofing off, trying to see through a telescope. It's got a very homemade feel to it, like a pop-up book. There are chapters in this Nap of the Star story. Chapter 1 features them fighting over the telescope, and then chapter 2 is when Yunjun is seen with these reindeer antlers. Then these horns grow, you see them puncturing his blanket, now he has literal horns. Not a, They don't look like a crown now. And then uh, there's lightning and thunder in this video. He follows these orange butterflies that kind of lead his way as he walks through this forest. And the key lyrics from part two of the Nap of the Star is, The memories of my childhood years are dancing in the starlight. Chapter 3 of Nap of a Star features more orange butterflies than they were in Chapter 2. More of them have formed, and they are serving as like guides through the woods. 
each member wakes up from a sleep in a different location and then everyone appears suddenly very wide alert after they're kind of startled awake. And Kai is wearing by this point these mechanical angel wings which again have that feel of like the first movies or just like early technology as he wears these very mechanical wings. The key lyrics from chapter 3 are The night sky we used to walk, afraid they'll slip away like a dream which is reminiscent of a lot of BTS content that has to do with the sky, the moon, and the stars being used as a reference and a symbol for a lot of their story. Chapter 4 is the final chapter here that we're going to talk about, where Yeonjun, the one with the horns, stops his trek through the woods to just sit by a fireplace, and then he eventually falls asleep. When he wakes up, he starts backing away as he realizes he is now face-to-face with this giant creature, and this giant creature somehow like gives him a cut on his neck without even touching him. So it's like a cat just clawed his neck, but the cat didn't even touch him, just stared right at him. And so he's backing up and freaking out and running away. He eventually ends up in this new setting that's really eerie looking. It's got these red red trees that are kind of, I mean, it's, win- they're, it's winter, so they're, they're trees without leaves, really. And... It's just a winter setting that he's suddenly moved into instead of the literally warm setting where the fireplace was. Then the the lightning strikes, and in this scene, when the lightning strikes, the scene is flashing red. Eventually, all the other members join him and are there to comfort him after this scary nightmare moment that he experienced, and they stop to look up at the starry sky together. The key lyric from chapter 4, I want to be your nap and forever dream together. Chapter 2 is called Magic. The concept trailer that introduced us to this new era for them had this bright yellow scene at one point that just turned bright yellow all of a sudden that reminded me a lot of the BTS Idol music video aesthetic, so just throwing that possible possible connection out there. The title track for Magic was Runaway, which is also called Nine and Three Quarters. This song clearly has some Harry Potter references. And that has to do with the fact that this video is very literally about magic. The video towards the beginning has this scene where Taehyun is walking through the school hallways with his headphones in that help him kind of tune out the world. And that just gave me a flashback to watching Jin in that wearing the headphones in the Boy in Love video from BTS's early days. Just saying, another parallel to point worth pointing out here that may mean something. Bumgyu is the one who is in this classroom, this in this school setting, and he's carving into this textbook, like literally like it's hollowed out, this thick textbook now has like this depth to it that he carved into it, and he's writing all over it, he's just basically defacing this book. There are two things him carving into this book reminds me of related to Harry Potter. One is the fact that there are these books in the libraries in, at Hogwarts where you open them and they start screaming at you literally. So that just reminded me of the Monster Book of Monsters. That's what it's called. And there's a reference to a lot to monsters a lot throughout the TXT videos. So just something I've been thinking about. And then the other connection that just made me think of was Professor Umbridge is this villain in the fifth installment in the Harry Potter series. And Professor Umbridge is this character who she gives Harry detention, Harry Potter detention at one point, and his punishment is to write this. He has to write over and over, I must not tell lies. And as he does that, he ends up realizing that the pen she makes him write with is actually like using his own blood as ink. And so he's very pained and cut up as he writes. And so that just made me think of the cut that one of the members had in the video while just staring at the creature. 
combined with the fact that he's doing some sort of writing assignment. So just something I noticed. The setting of this video is ultimately an empty school after hours, so it's nighttime and the members are just running around the school together in the dark hallways with their flashlights. They go swimming in the school pool with all their clothes on still. They're just really having the time of their life together. And there's, of course, the book carving guy and that ends up actually causing the book to somehow catch fire and a flame sparks in the middle of the book. So one of the members runs into the room with a fire extinguisher to take care of that. There's a library scene too where the members are just like leaning on each other with their heads on their shoulders and it's just a really sweet moment that sounds irrelevant but I'll bring it up again later so take note. And then they see after they're swimming in the pool that they there's a glowing trap door at the bottom. So they seem to have gone through that and then they're walking through this magical woods. The parallel to Harry Potter there being that in the second book and second movie, there's a, there's a, they have to get to the Chamber of Secrets and in order to get to that chamber, you have to go into this trap door. And then you kind of walk through these different worlds. The first world being a forest type setting, which is what they walk through here. So they're walking through this forest where the crickets are really loud, the fireflies are everywhere, and they are waving their flashlight trying to see what's up. They eventually find down there a flaming door, a door that is literally on fire, and similarly, that small flame has erupted at that point in that textbook. The members are goofing off with firecrackers at one point, which may or may not be some sort of flashback, as opposed to what's happening in real time in this video. And then the members eventually all sit on the ground together to just watch the door go up in flames in front of them, and they seem to be really enjoying that. Umgu, the one who had been cut before, he peels off a band-aid at this point and it's all healed. His skin is all healed, almost as if by magic. Then four of the members get up and walk away from that door they had watched burst into flames, but one of the members, Yeonjun, stays behind and he looks down and picks up this stuffed toy that he found on the ground. Remember I told you to remember that there's a stuffed toy involved here way back from the intro video? Interesting. One more thing to note about this video is that the members have these dance sequences for the choruses on dry ground until that fire scene. So until there's the flame in the book and the flame on the door, until those fires start, they're dancing on the ground that's just dry, but then after that, suddenly their indoor dance scene is on this thin layer of water that covers the ground. So keep that in mind. It's very interesting. You'll see those parallels throughout their story where the water symbols don't show up until the fire does or vice versa. They always have water to balance out the fire reference or vice versa, it seems. The key lyrics from this runaway slash nine and three quarters video. Let's make a magic spell with your tears. We swim in the spaces to comets, and we gotta be together to get to nine and three quarters, which in Harry Potter is the magical platform between platforms nine and ten that gets you to take a secret train to Hogwarts. Aside from Runaway slash nine and three quarters, the main song and video from chapter two out of three to note is Magic Island, which is another movie of sorts, a short film that has different chapters to it. Chapter one features one member who's sitting on this couch with headphones on, seemingly in this alone setting, but suddenly he wakes up and he looks up and realizes he was kind of just in a flashback or something, and he snaps too and realizes he's just on this crowded subway car. And while he's there, the other members are too, but they're not like together, they're just scattered, different members not really looking at each other on this subway. 
But after a text exchange between a couple of the members, each of them eventually grabs one of those handrails on the subway car, fists clenched really tight and eyes closed really shut, and this is like the magic, when the magic can happen. Literal magic can happen, and now all of a sudden they are the only five passengers on the subway train, and the train starts speeding along at warp speed. A lot of BTS parallels I noticed here were all of the images that flash on the screen in quick succession as the magic happens, include a close-up of an eye, includes fire, water, birds, a concert scene, a crash, train tracks, and then most importantly here, jump this scene where they jump in the air in slow motion and you don't see if they hit the water that's beneath them as they're in the air which is a lot like a key part of the bts storyline suddenly after this magical train ride the members are in this purple flower filled forest while they're in this forest one of the members lights a match and starts a fire and gets a cut while doing so which to me, implies that maybe this Magic Island video is happening either simultaneously or before the other cut in the timeline from the Runaway music video. The key lyrics from Magic Island are, The voyage has gone adrift, the place here is our start line, and the song of you're in my star, the memory that sparkled with dreams. Again, referencing memories, dreams, and trying to find their path in life. Part three of Magic Island, the video, that was part two, and then part three are when these playing cards and a tie fall to the ground. There, there's another firecracker scene where they're just goofing off and acting like, like kids, and the playing card it has a lot of parallels to the cards and their symbolism in the BTS world, so that's worth noting. And lastly, part four is when they see these walls of flames suddenly surround them. They're not just little embers, these are giant walls of flames that surround them on this magic island. The train speeds through the trees again, and once the flames all die out, the members remain lying on this forest floor that is surrounded by purple flowers. So the purple flower-filled setting is kind of their salvation after chaos. Another key track from this era that we're going to talk about later is Can't We Just Leave the Monster Alive? That's the actual song title, Can't We Just Leave the Monster Alive? We will revisit that. That is a huge part of my theory. But let's move on to chapter three out of three, which is Eternity. This album is overall capturing themes of loneliness, hoping a friend will save you, but it's not happening, or wondering why they aren't there for you like they used to be. And the members did hint that although this is the end of this trilogy, it's not really the end of the story. So there are a lot of loose ends that will still need to be tied up in future releases, so remember that. The title track and main video from this album is for Can't You See Me, which starts out featuring a scrapbook, a close-up of a scrapbook, and the pages get flipped through like a flip book with the action unraveling in that way. And then eventually the pages erupt into flames. I hope you're noticing patterns and symbols and stuff here. The scene ultimately for Can't You See Me is this house party type thing with just the five members goofing off. There's a food fight, they're cooking up a storm, they're just making a mess. They're like uh, Sally, I believe, and Conrad. I think those are their names from The Cat in the Hat who are just making a mess of things at home, goofing off. And there's the lyrics include sadder stuff, though, like my friends don't understand me anymore. And, of course, the title, Can't You See Me. Like, they're reflecting on times where they had a good, fun old time together, but now it's not like that anymore. And actually, the phrase that keeps getting said right before the chorus in this song is save me. 
which that has a lot of BTS parallels, a lot a lot is conveyed with the message Save Me if you're following the BTS storyline as well here. Key lyrics are, you turn your back when the fire is burning, crumbled sandcastle, who's a liar, and that made me think of NCT's fire truck video, so I guess only MOA slash N-Citizens will like that reference. I don't know how much overlap there is with those fandoms, but I appreciate that moment. Anyway, they also have lyrics like, it's just a painful dream, and gone in a dream, abandoned island, that forgotten memory. And lastly, they use this word that I think was a very intentional, unique word choice, scintilla, which isn't necessarily just referring to an ember or a fire. Its actual definition is to emit flashes of light or to sparkle. So they intentionally didn't just say a flame, they meant a sparkle could be another way to translate it and view it, which I found very interesting. In the Puma video, there's this cave setting that is bathed in this red light. Bumgyu is lying on the ground surrounded by all of these arrows that fell down from the sky, as well as small flames around him. And they're all kind of in this state of distress, really. Taehyun is in these chains, and he literally frees himself from the chains. They literally are like animals in this video. Actually, there's this masked figure at one point who has two of them held by leashes and holds up this meat to them, which to me was kind of a symbol of, like, maybe temptation meat is viewed as this delicacy and symbol of wealth, at least in Korea and in their history, that is a big symbol. And so that just made me think of the Daechita symbolism that is throughout August D's work. There's also this key setting where Yeonjun is on this cliff, and he stands on this ledge that looks a lot like the ledge setting in the On music video from BTS, just saying. The dance sequences feature this doorway with a glow, a bright light behind the doorway. Clearly it's leading to this bright world, and that doorway is what's behind them as they dance in this dark setting. So this is showing this evil that's right in front of the good they could enter into this new world. There are lasers flashing around the members. There are a lot of details I could focus on, but the main ones to remember are those arrows, the chains, the doorway, and the masked figure that's leading them like animals. The key lyrics include the world I've dreamed of, the grandest sky of my life, again references to the sky and dreams, but I feel happy facing freedom. So the song really does talk about like being chained by something or feeling like you are, but at the same time you're enjoying it because you are finding a way to escape. Other lyrics, after escaping from the zoo, the world I met is an alien, no one welcomes me. So basically saying, you know, why would why did I even want to escape at some point? Because it was, there were elements of being uh, subordinate to someone else that were actually better or just felt more comfortable to not escape my comfort zone and be my own boss basically at night in the moon i see my mother's face that's a key lyric thousands get on the internet watch out your enemies will be everywhere that's a very a very eternally relevant lyric and that reminds me of bts songs that tackle cyberbullying as well how long till I reach my dream? In the dark, the door opens. The Puma video and lyrics are so huge to really understand this story. So those are just some of the many lyrics to keep in mind. Lastly, they say, my feet can save me, which sounds like it's, what are you talking about? Like, you just mean literally running away? I guess your feet can save you. But I think that's intentional wording because remember that in On by BTS, Namjoon has this lyric where he says, look at my feet. And that sounded goofy, but there's probably an actual deeper meaning to that. 
These groups do a lot of things that seem random but are actually super intentional and clever. So the feet reference may have been a parallel there. Then there is Eternity, which is a whole short film that really is essential to understanding my overall theory. Before the short film for Eternally came out, there was this concept trailer released, and that showed all of the members sitting around this round table in good spirits, just kind of talking and laughing together and playing with toys on the table like a little toy telescope again, as well as a baseball and glove and things like that. And one of the members, Subin, he has this chain necklace with a lock on it, like a lock and key type of reference, which seems very notable. And he's apart from the other members, which looks like not by much because the scene starts with a bird's eye view camera angle. And so it looks like they're not that far apart. But then the camera angle totally switches and backs up and it looks like actually they're literally miles apart in the, on this lawn round table. So Subin tries to get closer to the other three members and he gets up and walks onto the table, but eventually gets stopped by and blocked and realizes that he's stuck behind a glass wall which when the camera zooms out further, you realize it's actually a whole glass box that he is stuck in and can't get to the other members. At this point, he sees this creature behind the four members with those glowing green eyes again. And the cat, this cat, we're going to talk about a lot later, super uh, notable. And the video ends with the word, save me again. Key lyrics are, I dreamed this drama. On the stage made for you, I'm only a passerby and determined by fate to play the role of the everyman. Fate and dream are keywords there. Section one of the actual story is called Night of the Last Day. And one of the members has black wings now, which is noteworthy because before Kai had those white mechanical angel wings and now suddenly someone has black wings instead. There are these dark winged creatures that also are seen flying across this stormy sky throughout this video. In this video, the members are looking at this apocalyptic scene full of rubble and destruction all around them, standing on this little ledge. There are small fires here and there, and they're all standing on that ledge formation together. Again, we have these flashes of lightning which provoke this animated look to the character. So suddenly with each flash of lightning, you see a character looking more 2D, more animated with wings or horns or something like that. At one point, one of the characters has this book, and then abruptly drops it and falls backwards, and then wakes up and sees that it was all kind of like a, a dream or, some, or a hallucination or something, and now suddenly he realizes he's just in this dance practice studio with the other members who are just all going about their business not paying each other any mind. This dance studio includes a member filming the others with his phone, which looked a lot like and reminded me of the dance practice scene in the BTS Love Yourself short film, where Jimin was recording J-Hope's dance practice. And there, during this video, across the hall from the dance studio, we see that there is this elevator down this narrow hallway, and it starts out looking like it's relatively close, but then the perception again changes, kind of like with that round table earlier, and you realize it's a lot farther away than they thought to escape. Suddenly, the lights in this dance practice room start flashing on and off as the alarms go off, like it's a fire or something happening. And then all these flashing images show up again, and the characters look animated with the wings and things like that. The last image of this video is of a plastic water bottle that falls off the table, which sounds like it's a pointless detail to bring up, but again, stay tuned. <laughs> Chapter 2 is called Song of a Star, and that's when we get flashbacks to this night at the carnival. 
where they're looking at this scene that is literally a blur around them. All the people and location are all blurry, but they're trying to get through this hazy memory. And suddenly, there's this grassy lawn that one of them ends up on. And the grassy lawn is where they see this magical die in the ground, like a dice from a board game, but it's just this one die that's like ten-sided or something. And it triggers, once it hits the ground, it suddenly provokes these magic ripples of light and reveals a magic trap door again. Then this younger boy is revealed. This is Subin, if I didn't say that before. Subin uh, sees this little boy who maybe is his younger self, that's a theory. Uh, anyway, so this little boy runs away from the carnival ride and pa runs right past him, but then turns around to stop and stare at him for a second, but then goes back to running into the dark night. This ghost girl shows up at one point, and she, literally a ghost girl, and she approaches him and bends down to try to hug him or comfort him, which is noteworthy because, remember, a key part of the story for BTS was the mother image of a mother cradling a baby and this may be a mother or a mother who well I'm getting ahead of myself we'll get to that but she's a key character here the memories maze is referenced that's key and the words on the screen are I always tear up after waking from a familiar dream section three is called promise and this again starts where we see them back in the room with the alarms going off and the lights flickering and then suddenly Bumgyu is in, walking toward this light in this dark room elsewhere. He sees the world of rubble on the other side of where he was. Beyond the light, he's walking through this dark passageway, essentially. He walks up a few sets of stairs, and he's wearing a sweater that says Make Noise on it, which I found worth noting. He sees this cut, bloodied version of himself at the bottom of a ditch, which a lot of people have interpreted in a lot of different ways that we will get into, and he sees those glowing eyes of the cat again. The screen says at this point, I thought it was salvation then. So clearly he was duped into believing that cat or trusting that cat or something related to that cat was misleading at the least. Section four is, well, again, we're back to that flashback where we see everyone in the dance practice room kind of in that freakout setting. And then suddenly there, is, there are these endless hologram versions of oneself behind this door. And there's a scene with a reindeer head on the wall, which made me think of the reindeer antlers worn in the Nap of the Star video. There's a book on the ground. A lot of symbolism that will make sense more later on. But those symbols come back in this video. And key lyrics include the dance that summons a nightmare and wait again through this dream. And the screen ends saying, which side do I need to trust? Section 5 is called Moratorium of Rest, which features Taehyun in that purple flower field scene again. He sees someone in the distance that he tries, tries to get the attention of by yelling and waving, but it doesn't seem to work. And then suddenly he can see Bumgyu, who looks like he is either in a, in a, in a deep sleep or dead. And Bumgyu's character is in this chair with a flower crown and vines wrapped around the chair that are kind of wrapped by him as well. And he's... He has this all-white outfit with purple paint splattered down the front. He appears unconscious or dead and can be seen by Taehyun, who doesn't really know how to react to that. The screen at the end reads, We Will Find a Way. Section 6 is called Girl of Eternity. That is when Kai walks up the staircase and opens this door. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but he's walking up the stairs and opens the door, sees a bright light and blue skies, and now he realizes he's in this door in the sky. And right across from him is another white door that opens, and the other four members are on the other side of that door. 
So they kind of just stare at each other from those doors that are across from each other. And then tentatively, Kai takes a step forward and sees that the, what he's trying to like, he's trying to like walk on the sky. And it's essentially like he's walking on water. Again, with that thin layer of water on the ground that I brought up earlier from the runaway video, he tries walking on a watery surface. The final screen says, I reach out, but my hands touch nothing. Section 7 is called the beginning of the end. It features that close-up of the water bottle again with a pool of water now on the ground. We're back to that scene with the alarms and flickering lights, but then it abruptly all stops. The lights stop flickering, the alarms are no longer going off, and the members act as if none of this chaos just happened, as if they just go out, go about their whatever they were doing in the practice room, just checking their phone or walking around or checking out their moves in the mirror, whatever they were doing, they just go back to doing as if nothing had ever happened. Although one of the members is still a little freaked out and stops to look at what's in his hand, which ends up being that magical die with like a couple of different sides, like eight, like more sides than your average die to it, and is kind of glowing a little. That magic die is still there, which makes you think that it wasn't all a dream. There's some remnant that was in the real world. So let's back up and look at what the actual monologue at the beginning and end of this mini movie said. I'm just going to recite what the monologue said without interruption. So this is parts that were interspersed throughout the short film, but I'm going to read it as if it's all one story. Quote, On the night of the last day, the world lay in shattered ruins. Darkness descended on the boys and the night. Memories of a destined future draped slowly over them. The boys asked as they wandered the nightmare maze, Are there no other choices for us? The boys were thrown into confusion. In the blink of an eye, the boys felt they've returned from a long journey. The widening space between us, scribbles that unfold before our eyes, wait again through this dream. In fear, the boys asked, was it all nothing more than a dream? The boys did not know that this was but the start of a chaotic turmoil. At the very end of this whole saga, we see that there are messages from each member or to each member written on the mirrors in this studio. So it's kind of like if a window gets fogged up on a bus and you write on it with your finger, it's that, but it's a fogged up mirror in the practice studio that has different messages for them. One of them being Remember My Name. And it reminded me a lot of that scene in the BTS world where Namjoon writes, You Need to Save Yourself on the Window. And TXT's brand new album came after that Dream Chapter trilogy. This is called Mini Minisode 1 Blue Hour. Minisode making me think that this is kind of a, a, a temporary reprieve from the saga that we've been talking about, but not the end or anything. Just a little break, but they're going to go back into the, the darker universe that they've been dealing with in past releases, but this is kind of a detour for now. And so Blue Hour is the title track, and the song is really all about the, the time 5.53 with lyrics like, well actually the direct title translation is, I discovered you and me in the sky at 5.53, which again references the sky being really symbolic here. And at 5.53 that is when the sun actually sets in October. So all very intentional, the 553 reference and the fact that this video is set in October, which is in fall, a transition season, which really embodies a huge message in Blue Hour, which is all about that transition period between being a child and adulthood. So there's a very transitional era for them and for their story. This song is really meant to encapsulate, quote, the complicated emotions of awe and fear that one feels at sunset. And it really does deal with the passage of time and fears about losing your youth and getting older, really. 
settings in this video that are worth noting. One, they're in this grassy field dancing, which is a lot like the BTS Dynamite dance scene, if you ask me, that's what it reminded me of. They also have this fall day where they're just sitting around this tree with bright orange leaves. It's really just embodies what a fall day could be all about with friends just leaning on each other. Again, with those moments heads on shoulders, like in the library earlier in this series. And they're just showing off true friendship. And the other big setting is this carousel that is in the sky. Yes, that carousel, like from that carnival, the nightmare carnival from earlier in the story. So this video is really quite magical. It has this Ferris wheel setting that is really fun looking and then the camera zooms out and you realize they're just painting the Ferris wheel setting on a big canvas. They free fall through these pink clouds jumping off of the platform that the carousel is on. So we, it turns out the carousel is in the sky and they jump off of that, which was attached to some sort of beanstalk of sorts. There's this giant purple paintbrush used to just paint a bunch of purple everywhere. And purple paint seems to be covering the forest scene they walk through. There are squirrels around, like giant squirrels in purple sweaters. That's a whole thing. Um, there's a lot I could say about that, but I'll just let you interpret those however you want. It definitely gave me the movie Enchanted vibes, so I'll just say that. And they walk through, they're shrinking a little, or the world is really big. Something is different about the size because they are, so they suddenly drops of water look huge when a drop of water falls off a, leak, a leaf and soaks one of them. And they're basically taking a romp through the forest as little ant-like creatures. There is, an, there are those special moments, just a friendship, like I said, heads on sh each other's shoulders and things like that. There's a key part where these blue birds fly down and swoop down to drape a jacket over Kai's shoulders and also drop a hat on his head, which gave me total Cinderella vibes with those animals coming to help him. Kind of Snow White vibes too there. And again, the piggyback rides are back for a moment reminiscent of their intro films. So they're just really goofing off showing off their friendship again like they did in the intro films. Suddenly in the video though, all of the lights go out and the carnival seems to have shut down. And suddenly we snap back to the scene where they're just chilling around that big tree, as if the carnival scene was all just a dream or a nightmare. Bumgyu drops down from the tree branch that he had been sitting on, and as he walks away from that tree, he steps on this book that landed opened up on the ground that was Subin. So Subin dropped a book that he stepped on as he leaves the scene. Some B-side tracks worth noting from this new release, just not for the storyline's sake as much as just because I think they deserve more love and appreciation. One is We Lost the Summer, which is just really, I appreciate that song because it's relatable. It's a great reminder that even celebrities are feeling the frustrations and sadness of this worst summer of our lives this past year. And so it's just all about feeling like a lost, there was a lost summer, you know, a lot of plans were were just destroyed that we had. And so just that that song giving us all permission to wallow a bit in our sadness over that is appreciated by me, as well as the song Wish List, which is really cute. It's about a boy nervously trying to pick out a birthday present for someone he really loves, and it's just one of my personal favorites from the new album. Well, now that we've gone through the TXT music video timeline, it's time to reflect on some overall messages that they've had throughout the series, some key symbols and things like that, and then I'll get to the theory that I'm super excited to share. So first of all, there are a lot of connections to the BTS scenes, like the fogged up mirrors and writing on that. There's the dance practice studio scene. There are the lyric parallels, like calling out cyberbullying. 
there's the feet, look at my feet lyric, there's the save me phrase, there's the magic island they go to that featured in that video. All these close-up moments of playing cards, the concert scene, train tracks, birds, all of that is also part of BTS's music video universe. The scene that abruptly turns Technicolor is like the BTS Blood, Sweat, and Tears video. Subin, in one of the intro videos, for Subin's intro video, he opens up curtains at the beginning, which is a lot like what Jin does in one of his solo videos in the BTS story. There's constant flame symbolism through TXT videos that I've been noting, as well as in BTS videos. That's a big part of the story as well. There's that burning building setting that is like BTS had a no more dream burning building type of setting, and TXT were in a similar environment for Can't You See Me?, there's also the fact that smoke is referenced in the TXT world, and so it's also a big role in the BTS world, because remember the Wings cover art for BTS forms an image of smoke. If you put all the different album covers together, that's what the puzzle turns into. Even more connections I've noticed, there's the butterfly references. The butterflies, remember, they lead the way out through the woods in the, in the Nap of the Star video for TXT, and butterflies play a key role in BTS's storyline as well. There's the image of a whale, which reminded me of BTS's whale in 52. And of course, We Are Bulletproof Eternal, but that was kind of just an homage to whale in 52. There's the doorway reference, that's a huge symbol in the BTS world, is that op slightly open doorway, and those doors are a big part of the TXT world as well. There are the staircases that plays a huge role in the BTS Spring Day video, and also in TXT's world. There's the padlock concept, so the locked phone booth is a big part of RM's solo journey in the BTS world, and is the lock worn by Subin in the Eternity concept trailer. There are references to a motherly figure like in Puma with the lyric at night in the moon I see my mother's face and the Eternity short film might also allude to that with that ghost girl and Mama is J-Hope's solo story title for the BTS world. There are of course all these references to feeling like you need someone to save you. There are all these remnants of youth like scrapbooks like BTS's Polaroid picture whereas TXT is the scrapbook but same symbolism. There's the color purple that is all over the place in BTS's universe and in TXT world with the purple paint that covered Bumgyu's outfit and the giant purple paintbrush being used in the Blue Hour video, the purple flower-filled forest, all of that. And in general, the colors of flowers having symbols, that's a huge part of both of their worlds. Keep in mind in the TXT world, each member has different colored flowers, which feels intentional the way the different colors go together for those characters. And BTS is kind of like that too, although white flowers are really the ultimate symbol for the BTS world, the white flower petals always seem to replace flames in the BTS world. So the fire is put out with white flowers of rebirth, essentially. And there are a bunch of settings that are the same, you know, the convenience store, the trains, the carnival setting, that's just like BTS's Spring Day video, and of course the carnival flashbacks, the field they dance in that looks a lot like the dynamite field, the classroom school settings, that ledge that looks like the one in the on video, the beach, again, there are just so many I could go on and on, but I've seen all of these parallels, and they're just way too many for it to all be a coincidence. There are also the wing references, and a key part of TXT's story that's not necessarily BTS related, but a key part to keep in mind here is the book. Remember, the book was a big part of the Eternity video. It was also what was being carved into in the Runaway video. 
It's a, there's a book that fell to the ground and was stepped on in the Blue Hour video. So there's some sort of forbidden spell book that I think is involved here. And that's my theory. Although another theory I'm thinking about, but I'm not, I haven't fully fleshed it out yet, is that the book is actually the pop-up book that I said it looked like the members were actually in in the Napa Vistar video. So that's a possibility, that they're looking at themselves in that book. Really quick before I forget, I just realized, I think I said earlier that Bumgyu is the one who sees a version of himself that's bloodied in at the bottom of a ditch. I'm pretty sure that was actually Yeonjun, so sorry about that. I've, I've been kind of mixing up in my head who did what. But anyway, the symbolism still stands, so at least you've got that gist of it. But I just want to further record clarify that I'm remembering that Ron, I think. Anyway, the overall messages and themes here that are similar to some BTS storylines, but again, TXT is their very own unique universe as well. One is that both storylines involve showing and conveying part of the message through clothing. Clothing choices are very intentional. And in the TXT world, we had the sweater that said make noise on it. There's also the hat and coat that were delivered by birds to Kai, which they actually said, side note the other day, that they were inspired to use those as props of sorts in their outfit because of Jimin's filter performance. Jimin performing filter, he wears this hat and stuff. And so they kind of took from that idea. So that is interesting because that may seem random, but it may actually have deeper meaning that they're drawing from Jimin's story, just saying. In addition to the sweater that says make noise and that hat and coat that feel very intentionally worn, and of course there are the angel wings that are worn if those count as accessories, there's also this paperclip earring that Taehyun wears in the Runaway video. We've talked about the symbolism of paperclip earrings before on the show, but that feels like very tied into their overall message of being there for each other no matter what. And there's that lock and chain necklace that one of them wears in the Eternity trailer. So their outfit choices seem to also speak volumes about their message in this story. Number two, their story really embraces vulnerability and conveying honest, raw emotion in a way that is similar to BTS as well, which I'm really happy with because I do think that has a great positive influence on viewers, especially at impressionable ages, because they are showing that you can be a man who cries that is great, let out your emotions, you know, and they just, they really challenge any notion of this, this hold it all in sense of toxic masculinity. So they're just very vulnerable and open and really countering stereotypes by doing that, which I appreciate. Their story also conveys these messages about fate that BTS deals with as well, with time travel and in BTS's world, they're debating, you know, if you turn back time, does that actually help you? Does it just create more problems? And really wondering how much of yourself you should leave in the past, how much you want to bring with you to the future, how you can, what should you let go of and realize that fate knows what it's doing versus how much of fate you should actually take into your own hands and realize you can control your own destiny. That back and forth is messy and complex and is something that BTS characters are constantly struggling with. And that balance of how much to let go versus how much to seize the day, so to speak, is a similar issue and dilemma facing the members of TXT. And lastly, the parallel story here is the concept of dreams versus reality, which ties into one of my overall theories. There are a lot of references to dreams in the lyrics that I've been reading, from Magic Island to Puma to Can't You See Me, a lot of references to dreaming and reality and sometimes nightmares. 
There are some some huge worthwhile comments to point out from the Eternity short film again. I always tear up after waking up from a familiar dream, waiting again through this dream, eternal dream, the deepest abyss. More and more lyrics about, back to what I said earlier about what to keep in mind. One of my big theories, before I get to the one I'm really excited to talk about, I have to get to a few shorter ones. One of my big theories is that really... BTS's music video world is all about struggling with that blurred line between dreams and reality, knowing what's real and what's not and what should be real. Which parts of your dreams should you find a way to manifest in reality versus what should you leave behind because it actually wasn't good for you like you may have hoped it would be. And BTS characters are constantly dealing with that dilemma and struggling to figure out where to where the line is and which side they're on. So my theory is that TXT's world is meant to be that line. So BTS is trying to figure out where to draw that line. TXT is that line, if that makes sense. BTS characters are struggling with what is our reality versus what was all just a dream. And TXT characters don't have to face that dilemma because they just are. They're just living in the moment. BTS characters are struggling with reconciling the past and future together, whereas TXT is just living in the present. They are the group in the middle, in that line, that blurred line realm. That They're very happy with the ambiguity of living in a world that is blurred dreams and reality and is that, that area that joins them together. So that's how I view the TXT world as kind of the escapism and the useful joy that BTS characters are grasping for and trying to renew in their lives. And TXT is like who they would be if they had been carefree when they were younger and kind of like a younger version of who they wish they were or maybe they really were. But it's all about like their memories are projected through these TXT members is how I see it. I also get the feeling that TXT is in this world that is between reality and dreams because elements of their world are always surreal and elements are also very real and relatable. For example, there's that pop-up book video, Nap of a Star. There's the comic book aesthetic and animated tales and horns and stuff they add. There's the computer room that I told you to remember from the intro video way back in the intro to each character. And there's the blue orangey video with the computer screen. Then characters, of course, grow, grow horns and wings and stuff. A lot of elements are very supernatural or just look like something out of a cartoon or out of a movie or something that's not out of reality. But then they are very relatable characters in other ways, comforting each other, hugging each other, you know, just laughing and dancing together and playing and goofing off together. So they are blurring those lines intentionally as opposed to trying to figure out how to separate them. Those are the main differences I see between their universes. Other theory, which if you want to hear more about this and how it may connect to TXT, check out my ATs Wonderland episode and any other ATs episode I've released of the show because that is when I break down a lot of Alice in Wonderland parallels I've seen in K-pop videos. But for now, I will just say I've seen some of those again with TXT in the fact that they keep changing sizes like in Alice in Wonderland where they shrink and they're walking through that forest as little creatures as so they're among the squirrels. There are also there's also seems to be magic at play in terms of vision, peripheral vision changes from the elevator looking like it was really close to looking very far away, and that round table that looked like everyone was close together versus he looks literally miles away from the other members. There's also the magic involved in flames abruptly starting up and the trap door and the magic die. So 
all of this literal magic is at play. And there are also moments where they kind of fall or jump down a ditch. And there's a part where in this new Blue Hour video, they jump down from the clouds. They were on the clouds in this carousel, and then they jump down. And that free fall made me think of Alice falling down the rabbit hole like that. There are other imagery parallels I've noticed, like they're walking through a forest with purple paint splattered flowers. It looks like they were just painted on, which a key scene in Alice in Wonderland is painting the roses for the queen to please her. There's, of course, the playing card symbol that's big in Alice in Wonderland's world in is part of their symbolism. There are close-ups on a watch in, or a clock or something in this setting, as well as other imagery that looks like a clock. And that has to do with the passage of time that TXT is all about in their story. And that is a huge symbol for Alice in Wonderland. The rabbit has that pocket watch that is a key part of the story. In some versions, the Mad Hatter has a big pocket watch that is a big part of the story as well. There are so many more I could probably point out, but those are the main ones. Oh, and also the fact that butterflies are a big symbol. Because in Alice in Wonderland, the caterpillar is a big character, and in some versions, the caterpillar does eventually turn into a butterfly during the story. Also, I feel like there are other fairy tales alluded to here. I was only half joking when I, no I noticed that the Enchanted, uh, the, that I was saying that the Enchanted movie seemed to be involved here when the, they were talking to those squirrels that were dressed up like people. Just saying, could be something there. There's also the fact that the carousel they were playing on is in the sky propped up on top of this beanstalk of sorts, which made me think of Jack and the Beanstalk. And then there's that very Cinderella or Snow White-esque moment where the birds fly down to give accessories to Kai. So all these little moments, there are probably even more that I'm missing that just allude to they, their influences possibly being fairy tales. And Wonderland's not exactly a princess story, but sorts, you know, fantasy stories with those elements of surreality. I feel like those are definitely inspiring their work. My big theory, though, about what their ultimate inspiration actually was for all of this and what is being alluded to in the whole TXT universe that I'm very excited and proud to reveal that I've come up with, I will share after the break. Now available for pre-order, which will be out in 2021, is Clint Smith's debut nonfiction work. It's called How the Word is Passed, A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America, and it ultimately is all about the ways that different historical sites have reckoned or failed to reckon with a history of slavery associated with those locations. It's a really interesting sounding work that I'm very excited to read. And again, you can pre-order it now. It's called Clint Smith's How the Word Has Passed, A Journey Across the Country That Black America Built. So other fans I have seen talk about Alice in Wonderland related theories about the TXT world, but I also have another literary reference that I feel like is even more relevant to TXT's story that I haven't really seen discussed among fans online. So I'm going to bring it up, and I really feel like, just hang in there, I really feel like this is the ultimate literary inspiration that TXT used. And I'm just going to describe the plot of this story, and then you will see the parallels, hopefully, as I des describe it. But I'll overtly point out TXT parallels after I describe this story. This is when reading your required books in English classes actually pays off. I actually like this book, and a lot of my peers did not, but it really has a lot of deep meaning to it. And I really like this author, and a lot of people don't, but here goes. I think TXT is ultimately emulating their take their personalized take on Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. So let me explain. 
So something with Wicked This Way Comes is a dark fantasy novel from 1962. It is a very classic story that has a lot of symbolism and meaning within it, as Ray Bradbury is known to have done in his writing. And it gets its title from the Macbeth phrase, the phrase from Macbeth by the pricking of my thumbs something. No, sorry, I think it's from the clicking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. So, first of all, by the clicking of my thumbs. Remember Bumgyu got his thumb cut in one scene of a TXT video? I know that's a small piece of evidence, but it adds on to all my other evidence I'm about to describe. So... So the main plot of Something w Wicked This Way Comes is that the, there's this evil carnival that comes to town. And the overall story shows the journey of these two 13-year-old boys, William and Jim, who go to this evil carnival, and as they go there, they're confronting their own fears, which makes them grow as people. So they're learning to confront evil, basically. And the story starts out where they meet this guy who, who's a traveling lightning rod salesman, because why not? So he's traveling and selling people lightning rods, and he gives them a free one because he gets a bad omen about their houses, and he's like, your houses are going to get struck by lightning. Protect yourselves. I know you can't afford this, but here you go. Then they're talking with Will's dad, Charles, who works as a janitor, in the town's local library, and he's telling them about how the carnival is coming to town, which it does, and they wait for it eagerly at 3 a.m. The carnival shows up in town at 3 a.m. because that is called the soul's midnight, which is the hour when human souls are in their deepest despair, when you're in the deepest sleep, or your souls are just feeling like they're stuck in the nightmare, trapped in the nightmare the most, the most inescapably. And so the carnival comes to town at 3 a.m. And when it does, it comes by a train. The train rushes into town and leaves in its wake this cloud of smoke. And once the smoke clears, you see that the carnival has been left there and is all set up to, and ready to go. The main attraction at the carnival is this magical carousel. And when you ride the carousel a certain way, you turn older or younger, physically. So the boys go to this carnival, and while they're there, they run into their 7th grade teacher, Miss Folly. This is the next morning. They go to the carnival, they run into Miss Folly, but she doesn't really, she seems very out of sorts. Turns out she was just in the mirror maze, which is an attraction at this carnival. So she's a bit out of sorts because she just left the mirror maze. And so they're like, what's up with her? But it's probably just the maze, whatever, and they go on with their day. Then later on, there's the scene where the Dust Witch, a key character in the story, gets tricked by Will. Long story short, she gets tricked by Will and ends up trapped in an abandoned house. And he closes the door on her and leaves her in that house. And she traveled by air balloon and he punctures her air balloon with a bow and arrow. At one point in the story also, they interact with this little girl who's crying and they realize that it is Miss Folly, their teacher but she's really young now because she rode the carousel. Then the carnival parade comes to town the next day, and the parade is, I know I'm skipping a lot of the story, but these are the main points of the plot. The carnival comes to town, and the parade, or the carnival parade comes to town, and the boys are getting, someone's trying to hunt them down, because they haven't faced their fears yet. They haven't really been engaged with the carnival as much as they are apparently supposed to be. So these evil characters are basically spying on them, trying to find them disguised within the parade. 
So the boys are instructed by Charles, Will's dad, to hide in this storm drain. So they're under this storm drain watching above them. The parade is going on down the street. And Charles at one point then ends up, yeah, long story short, I'm cutting through a lot of the plot here, but Charles ends up rescuing his son and pulling him out of the mirror maze where he was almost trapped for a while. Then there is the ultimate character who is looking for them during the parade. His name is Mr. Dark, and he is hunting for them, and he tries to find them by going to the library where Charles is the janitor, that dad. And so Charles is trying to block him, of course, from reaching those boys who are hiding among the bookshelves in the library. Again, long story short, Mr. Dark ends up at one point riding the carousel. So towards the end of the story, he ends up riding the carousel. He wasn't supposed to end up on there, but he did, and turned into a little boy. And then the story ultimately ends where the main characters are in this dancing in this field, just laughing and goofing off and just realizing that their ultimate weapon that defeated Mr. Dark was laughter, was youthfulness, was just being a kid. It's kind of a kill him with kindness situation only kill him with a free spirit that you have at youth kind of a moment. So first of all, Bradbury intentionally wrote this story to be set in October, which is in fall, a transition month between seasons, which is also meant to symbolize a transition month between youth and adulthood, which is what these boys are going through, especially because they're, they were both born right around Halloween, so they are getting older. And so they are really in their adolescence and dealing with those questions of what it means to grow up and how to handle that. So a couple of main themes that this story includes are the transitions and going through life and youth versus adulthood, but then there's also this constant just grappling with how much you can control your future and how much you need to make peace with what you can't do. Because they are reminded by Charles during the story that they can ride that carousel if they want to get older and hurry up and grow up. But they only age physically. The carousel does not age you mentally. So you're still going to have the mind of a child even if you use the carousel to get older. Or if you use it to get younger, you're still going to have an old mind, whatever that means. So, so that is important to keep in mind is that they realize they can try to change some aspects of their life and control their future, but there will be parts that will always be out of their control, and they have to learn to accept that. And Charles is the ultimate character to personify this clash of of old versus young mentalities that people try to hold on to, because Charles is a middle-aged man physically, but he is a very young uh, mind. You know, he's such a kid at heart. And so that combination of being old and young is why his his character represents the ultimate good, juxtaposed against Mr. Dark, who represents evil. And so good versus evil literally face each other in this story. The story is also intended to show how thin the line can truly be between good and evil, and shows the, the capacity to hold good or evil in all of us, which is seen by seemingly innocent things like the carnival setup, but if you cross it the wrong way, things are suddenly really, really going downhill for you. And so that is key to keep in mind for the story, as well as the fact that Will and uh, Jim really balance each other out, where Will is very cautious, very level-headed, and he helps get Jim out of trouble. But Jim's impulsiveness, that might be viewed as a negative thing in some settings, also keeps him young and free-spirited and helps Will take more daring chances that he might not otherwise have. So they're, they're a yin and yang, they balance each other out really well, and they are needed. So essentially they learn that their greatest weapon in this fight 
against the evil forces they confront at the carnival is each other, is friendship. That is their ultimate tool, is their bond, in leaning on each other to make up for each other's defaults. They each have their own strengths to bring to the relationship that eventually lead to their success in the story. So the main themes of the story, transitioning and getting older, dealing with how much you can control in life versus how much you need to leave up to fate and trust that things will work out for the best, the concept of good versus evil in all of us and how to balance that out among relationships as well as just within yourself. And lastly, really trying to understand how many memories you want to hold on to and reflect on and go back to because it's all about going back to certain memories, not just about going back to a younger age per se, but just going back to a certain time or memory in your life. And the characters in this story, when they ride the carousel, that wipes out their memory. So they suddenly have no memory of what happened in their like previous life. They're now like a new version of themselves that hasn't met the old them. And that leads to it, that may lead to a lot of relief for some characters thinking about, I just want to be someone else and get out of my own life and where it's going, but it always comes with drawbacks, like losing the loved ones who were helping you through the tough life you used to live before you took the easy way out, per se, with the carousel ride. So a lot of deep concepts are unpacked in that story, which is why I personally think it's one of Ray Bradbury's best, and he has a lot of works that remain so relevant today, too, and I feel like that is TXT's main main source of inspiration, so let's recap why, although I hope it's a bit clear now. So there's the carnival setting, there's the fact that they're constantly trying to confront evil, and that's why the cat with the glowing eyes won't leave the TXT members alone, because the, the, the cat is the reminder, hey, you haven't faced your fear yet, you keep hiding from it. Then there's the lightning rod salesman here, and the lightning and the stormy night that plays a big role in the story. There's the train, the train is a big symbol, and it comes to town and brings the cloud of smoke, which, you know, smoke, fire, those are related symbols. There are references to a mirror maze in TXT lyrics, and they will even have a song called that, referencing a, a maze in the mirror, and that's a big setting in the carnival, within the carnival. There's the fact that Bungu was surrounded by those arrows in the ground while he was lying on the ground in the Puma video, and in the Something Wicked This Way Comes story, the Dust Witch is, has her vehicle destroyed by bow and arrow. Then there's the library setting where Charles' dad works in Something Wicked. That is a key refuge in the storyline. And the library is a key setting where the TXT members take refuge from the outside world and literally lean on each other. There's also the fact that in the Something Wicked story, there's this crying little girl who used to be their teacher who's now turned into a young girl. And there's also the young boy that Mr. Dark eventually turns into. There is a young boy that crosses paths with them in the TXT world as well as that motherly ghost figure who shows up, who may be a bit uh, like the Dust Witch from Something Wicked This Way Comes. There's the fact that the TXT boys are in this underground world from the trapdoor that they used to get down into this magical forest beneath the ground, just like the storm drain that the boys were hiding under while all the other action was happening above them. There's the fact that Blue Hour is intentionally set in October, when the sun sets in October and everything, which has to do with those conflicting feelings you get during transition series, reflecting on where you've been and where you're going. There's the fact that the Something Wicked story ends with them laughing and dancing in a field, 
just like they laugh and dance in the Blue Hour video in a field, and also have other moments where they show that their strength is their friendship, is the piggyback rides, is the freestyle dancing, is just the goofing off and the camaraderie. Their ultimate tool in their arsenal is friendship, is leaning on each other's strengths and ideas. And that is ultimately what saves Jim and Will in Something Wicked This Way Comes. There are probably even more connections to that book that I'm forgetting, because it's frankly been a little while since my last reread of it, but I highly recommend it, especially because if you read it in English class in school, it's different. If you read it on your own time and when you're older, it's a lot more, it leaves you a lot in a lot more reflection, I think, and is much more worth your read, so trust me on that. Let's conclude by going back to that B-side track that I said earlier in the episode we needed to revisit. Can we just leave the monster alive? Let's look at the lyrics for that track, knowing what we know now about the Something Wicked world and the connections here. Some of the lyrics include these. The maze of only darkness, the forest we passed by and encountered now that was repeated again and again, the ending that came in front of my eyes. You can postpone it for a while, meaning the ending. I want to go back. Now the fear of the final boss. I want to enjoy this world right at this moment more. If you don't like it, I can reset it again. Will we hide in this game? All right, if I could stay forever in this space and time. Let's go on a trip in the dungeon here. Just stay forever in this place we ran away to. Escape from boring roles and become each other. I don't care if I'm cut by a knife. They continue to reference wanting to stay in this little alternate reality for a while, but also they acknowledge simultaneously this maze of darkness they are in. They are challenging their fears. They also are talking about the fact that they're facing the final boss, the final Mr. Dark, in a way. And they're talking about throwing away your weapons, just jump into this. And even if you drop all your weapons, you can still, you know, keep the monster alive. It's still going to be part of you to deal with. They also acknowledge how quickly they can easily roleplay and switch between being the monster and being themselves. They can switch very quickly between that very thin line between good and evil and replace each other's roles very quickly. They talk about hiding within this game and trying to, but realizing ultimately that song's about, you know, can we keep the monster alive? Well, we don't really have a choice. We kind of have to. You have to take the good with the bad. The good and the evil need each other to exist in a way, and good can only really prevail if you find the right tool to combat the evil, which is not a real weapon. It's your friendship, it's your bonds, and things like that. So ultimately... TXT's universe where it goes from here I see as maybe having even more references back to the carnival of nightmares and stuff and how they've confronted it and faced it and keep trying to because I feel like the cat character will be back in a more concrete way. We'll have a more clear ending of how they decide to finally face the cat head on. So keep in mind that symbolism with the glowing eyed cat from the darkness. And also I do feel like there will be more more literary references, even if they're done talking about something wicked, they will keep bringing up the carnival and asking viewers to remember that, as well as bringing up other references. Who knows what literary references they'll, they'll come about, but I do think they'll engage in those fantasy worlds, literally fantasy books, and those story elements of a magical world. They're literally talking about magic being used here, and that will continue to be a theme, I think. So keep your eyes out and and I will for sure bring up those literary references as I notice them in future releases in TXT's music video universe. But that's catching you up to speed on the latest installments leading up to their new album. So I hope this was an informative, interesting 
roundup of my theories and thoughts about TXT. Stay tuned for more coverage of them as the story unfolds. Thank you for listening. If you want more from the BTS side of this universe, you can check out my BTS-specific episodes of the show. Go to 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Hit the drop-down arrow for episodes sort by, and you can click sort by artist. And then you'll see all the BTS episodes listed together in an easy-to-go-to place. And this TXT episode will also have its own space there. If you want to quick find those links to the TXT episode to share with others, that'd be great. Stay tuned. I will have more, more deep dives into music video worlds coming up soon on the show. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. We haven't done a news roundup episode in a while, so I will get to that early next week. And then I have to dive into the Monster X music video world after their new album comes out on Tuesday. So stay tuned for that later in the week as well. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.